your EVP, Employee Value Proposition, is an articulation of why people should want to work in your business. It's about how they can expect to benefit from being part of your organization and what you'll expect from them in return. When you think about the question of why it's important to have a strong EVP, for one thing, it can help you to avoid really costly pitfalls. And it does that by making sure people understand the nature of that reciprocal value exchange that your business is offering before they set foot through the door. Hello and welcome to Masters of Comms, the podcast for transformative communication techniques straight from the pros. In this episode, we delve into the heart of modern HR and internal communication strategies, the Employee Value Proposition, or EVP. We are pleased to have Alistair Atkinson, Director of Consultancy at Scarlet Abbott, as our guest speaker. Alistair brings a wealth of experience and insights into this very important topic. Today, we'll be exploring the fundamentals of an EVP and unwrap how businesses can leverage it to chart their strategic people and internal communication priorities. Hello, Alistair, and welcome to Masters of Comms. Hi, Lamar. Thanks for having me. So, Alistair, would you mind taking a minute to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. As you said, I am one of the directors at Scarlet Abbott. We're an employee engagement consultancy. We serve all sorts of pretty big brands across all sorts of industries. Personally, I've worked in the field of comms and engagement for more than 15 years now, which ages me, I guess. I started out as a broadcast journalist early in my career, and I worked mainly in radio. And then I changed direction to go into business and started working at EY, the big four firm. I was a client-facing consultant in HR and comms consultancy for five years. And then I moved into their internal comms function in a, a global role. Did a couple of roles there, actually. One was a people comms role, and the other was a, a leadership comms role. And I stayed there another four years, so I was at EY nine years in total. I've been at Scarlet Abbott now for about six and a half years, and I particularly specialize in helping businesses to articulate and embed their purpose vision, strategy, values, and I guess particularly pertinent to today's discussion, I love and, and have a passion point for employee value proposition. Yeah, that's great. And at the same time, maybe you could give us a brief overview of Scarlet Abbott. Yeah, of course. As I said, we're an employee engagement consultancy and our purpose as a business is to create better worlds of work. That's what we talk about. And what does that mean? Well, to us, it means that we want to foster workplaces where people can feel their best, be their best and do their best work. And I think and we think that's really important because, first of all, it means people live happier lives. And that's a really good thing in itself. But it also means that people are more productive and innovative when, when they feel like they're in an environment that enables them to be their best and be their true selves. It just frees them up to do, to do fantastic work. And that translates into better business performance. So essentially, we are here to help businesses thrive and grow through better people engagement. To that end, we've got around 50 people across a whole variety of disciplines. We've got consultants, behavioral scientists, content writers, graphic designers, filmmakers, project managers. We've even got a cultural anthropologist. We work in all sorts of topic areas. Things like cultural assessments, leadership development, diversity and inclusion, business strategy rollouts, internal comms campaigns. And of course, the reason I'm here is because we also work in the field of employee value proposition, helping businesses to 
identify, articulate, and communicate their EVP. Huh. I'm actually really interested in that cultural anthropologist role that you have there. I'd love to hear more about that maybe at some time in the future. Yeah. <laughs> but Alistair, I've been trying to better understand the concept of EVP lately. And what has really interested me is that workplace dynamics are really constantly changing. And in that, this has made the employee value proposition what I would say become even more pertinent. And maybe I would go as far as saying essential to a healthy workplace. So for those who may not know what an EVP is, could you start off by explaining an employee value proposition and why it is so crucial for organizations to have one to engage with their workforces? Yeah, of course. I completely agree with you, Lamar. I think this has become, it's always been important. I think it's become increasingly important over the last few years. So essentially your EVP, employee value proposition, is an articulation of why people should want to work in your business. It's about how they can expect to benefit from being part of your organization and what you'll expect from them in return. So to your point about why it's important, let, let me give you some statistics. Globally, around a third of new employees leave their employer within 90 days. A third. Of those, 40% say that it was because their experience of the business didn't match up with the expectations they had beforehand. And on average, those departures cost around £30,000 per lever. So when you think about the question of why it's important to have a strong EVP, for one thing, it can help you to avoid really costly pitfalls. And it does that by making sure people understand the nature of that reciprocal value exchange that your business is offering before they set foot through the door. You know, it's, it just helps to align those expectations with the reality of working in your business. I think there's a bit more to it than that. So, so the other reasons that, that an EVP is important is that it can help you attract the kind of people you want in the business. You know, it depends on the, the talent that you're looking for. It depends on the, the culture that you're trying to foster. And, and if you can frame that within your EVP, then again, you get this kind of positive self-selection of, of candidates coming to want to work in your business. I think it can also bring consistency and coherence to the way you talk about your employee experience and equally important, it can equip all your people to, to be effective advocates for the business and life in the business by giving them the, the tools to talk consistently and, and coherently. In terms of, of, you know, when we think about what is an employee value proposition, what comprises it? Well, there are some obvious tangible elements to it. So things like pay, benefits, the working environment, and they're all super important. You know, they are, they're the foundations. But it's often the intangible cultural elements that tend to be the differentiators when people are thinking about joining a business. So it's things like the cultural ethos, relationships within and across teams, opportunities for development, maybe the chance to, to collaborate widely and meaningfully. Those are all the, the intangibles that are often the differentiators when you're thinking about EVP. Yeah, that's quite interesting and necessary, but it sounds like 
culture plays an intrinsic role in an organization's development of an EVP. I'm seeing over the years, we've seen that the concept of employee value proposition has quite evolved. So how might a well-defined EVP tie in with an organization's employer branding efforts? And what's the relationship between EVP and the image an organization portrays to potential and current employees, would you say? This is a really interesting one. The terms employee value proposition and employer brand are quite often used interchangeably, but I don't think that's correct. So for me, your employee value proposition is one of the things that contributes to your overall employer brand, but it's not the only thing. So let me talk through why, why I think that. If you're considering moving to a new employer, I'm not suggesting that you are, Lamar, I'm sure you're very happy. <laughs> but if you were, you might be influenced by their public-facing brand, especially if, if they're a well-known consumer brand. You might also be influenced by the nature of the product they make or the service they offer. Thinking, for example, if you really love Nike trainers, you might think, well, wouldn't it be great to work for Nike? You're also likely to take account of, of any media or press coverage about what it's like to be an employee in that business. And, and those stories crop up from time to time in the media. We've all seen them. So all those things, as well as the EVP, contribute to an organization's employer brand. So that's why I think it's, it's not really right to use the terms EVP and, and employer brand totally interchangeably. But it also illustrates, I think, why it's, it's really important to identify and articulate your EVP. Because actually, it can provide a much more reliable view of life in your business to prospective employees than, say, your latest product ad campaign does. If you leave that void, if you don't address the EVP, you don't articulate the EVP, then all people have to rely on sometimes is that external brand or the product that you make or your latest ad campaign. And actually, that is only likely to, to reflect life in the business to a relatively shallow extent. So, so that's the reason why it's really important to, to kind of articulate your EVP. It's also really important that your EVP is truthful and authentic, because if it's totally at odds with what people read about or stories that, you know, existing colleagues tell about life in your organization, then it's going to come across as disingenuous and, and the wheels will come off pretty quickly for you. Alistair, the authentic voice has been a key point in comms in recent years, and it has been important to the success of many global brands today. But understanding that, many organizations struggle even with crafting their proper EVP. So if we are to look at it in the context of effective communication, why do you think it's important for organizations to articulate their EVP clearly and consistently? It's fair to say that the success of your business is dependent to, to a large extent on the ability to attract and retain excellent people. And excellence is going to look different to different businesses. So, you know, it's, it's a really wonderful thing that not every business wants exactly the same kind of person. And actually a business uh, in itself will want lots of different kinds of excellence within it. That's a great thing. But you do want excellent people in your business. Over the last couple of years, what we've seen, particularly in the UK, is a very tight labour market. And effectively, that means that people have been able to be quite picky about where they work. So if you want to attract and retain the very best people for your business, that means you've got to articulate truthfully and authentically 
why people should want to be with you and equally important, why they should want to stay with you. And that's where your employee buy you proposition comes in. I think it's also fair to say that the attrition of talent, you know, people leaving your business, it, it brings other risks with it. So things like the loss of internal knowledge of systems, processes, or relationships, and high churn of, of colleagues can also have negative effects on, on your culture and morale in your business. A good EVP that's really clearly articulated, it, it can help you combat all those kind of little potential nasties. And that's why I think it, it, it's really important. Okay. Do you have uh, an example that you can share with us of a company that's doing it right? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was at EY, I was in a, a people comms role in the global function. At a time, it was a fascinating time in my career, actually. It was a wonderful opportunity because we were transitioning from, from one global chairman and CEO to another, and there was a new global strategy about to be introduced, which would see us through a seven-year period through to 2020. And as part of that, there was a new global managing partner for people. And of course, part of the overall business strategy was, was the people strategy. And so that was a period when we, we started to focus on the employee value proposition. And I think what EY did really well at that point in time was to be very, very honest about what they were offering and what, what people expected from them. And, you know, I'm going back 10 years now. And so it's quite bold at the time. It's, it's much more common, that, that level of honesty and authenticity, thankfully, has become more common. But at the time, it was quite bold because the, the employee value proposition of EY, which stands today, is whenever you join, however long you stay, the exceptional EY experience lasts a lifetime. And what that's saying is, look, you might join as a graduate. We're realistic. You might stay two or three years to get your qualification in accountancy or whatever it is. And you might go off into industry. You might even set up your own business. Or you could join partway through your career as a manager and stay for a few years. But then realistically, everybody's going to make partner. So it's, it's an up or out model in EY, in the client-facing side of the business, or it certainly, certainly was back then. But that's okay too. And guess what? You might work in more than one big four organization in your career because there are so many people. You know, I used to see it all the time. So many people that had been at, at Deloitte and then came to EY and then they might go on to PwC. So that was the reality of the situation. That was the authentic reality of the situation. And rather than shy away from that, what EY did was lean into it. And like I say, it was, it was quite bold at the time and it stood them in really good stead because it's just, it's just so honest. And also highlights genuinely the benefit that you get in an organization like that. And as someone who was an employee there for nine years, I would absolutely stand by this. You know, some of the experiences that you get in a relatively short amount of time in EY and the networks that you make and, and the people that you can learn from will last you your whole life, even if you're only there in a relatively short amount of time. So, so I think that that's a great example of an organization that leaned into the reality of what they were offering and turned it to their advantage. So Alistair, and knowing all that, we really understand that communication is really key. So what are some of the important components of a successful EVP and what strategies can organizations employ to convey their EVP to both internal and external stakeholders while maintaining a consistent message? Possibly you could share some real life examples of what is or is not effective when building your strategy. Yeah, of course. So, so let's take the first the first part of that conundrum first. You know, what are the, the key components of a successful EVP? 
And the truth is, when it comes to expressing your employee value proposition, there are no fixed rules. But in my experience, the best EVPs out there tend to consist of a fairly short summary statement. That's normally a sentence or two, backed up by a slightly longer explanatory narrative. That, that could be maybe a few paragraphs at most. And the thing is, if you get those right, if you get that short summary statement right and your, your supporting narrative, they give you the core messaging that you need that can be used by recruiters, hiring managers, and ideally, to your point, Lamar, your current employees, everybody in the business, when they're talking to friends and family about their work. Now, that's not to say that you'd always want or expect people to go out and recite your EVP, chapter and verse, because that'd be weird. That would be really weird. You know, if, if, if you're in the pub or you, maybe you're at home and your grandma says to you, oh, tell me a bit about life in your business, and you just start reeling out word for word this EVP, it'd be kind of strange. That would be kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hopefully what happens is that, that those hiring managers, the recruiters, the employees, they absorb the overall sentiment of the EVP and, and some of the language so that they begin to talk consistently and coherently about life in the business. To the second part of your question around communication strategy for your EVP, it's really important for internal communicators to join forces with their counterparts in external comms and, and HR, especially, of course, recruitment teams, because EVP you know, is hugely valuable internally, but even more so externally. That's, that's kind of the point is to, to project that image of, of life in your business. And working together, you know, those functions, internal comms, external comms, HR, you can figure out how to get the most traction with, with your target audiences, because the chances are it's people in your HR function that will have the greatest insight into the kinds of people that they want to attract into the business and the, the skills that they're trying to attract into the business. It's the external comms people who will have a really good idea of what's worked in the past when you go external with a message. Joining forces, a bit of kind of Avengers assemble is a good thing in, in this regard. I think there are a few tactics that are just no brainers. Externally putting your EVP statement and your, your narrative onto the careers page of your corporate website is a no brainer. Weaving elements of that EVP into recruitment materials like job adverts is, is absolutely the right thing to do. In terms of other things I've seen work really well. I'll give you a, a real life example. Last year, we helped Shivers Brothers, the Scotch whiskey maker, to identify and articulate their EVP. There's a whole process behind that, which maybe we'll come on to in a second. But once we'd nailed it, we made a flagship film that featured real Shivers Brothers colleagues from all parts of their business. In the film, the colleagues guide the viewer through the EVP and they expand on, on what each part of it means. What we ended up with was a, a really authentic, powerful video that's now used in recruitment materials. It's on the corporate careers pages in the website. And it's also used in the onboarding process as people come into the business to new recruits entering. So it reinforces, hopefully, what they've heard before they joined with with what they're starting to hear as soon as they're actually in the business. I think it's also a really good idea to curate colleague stories told in their own words that can support and bring to life the, the key pillars or elements of your EVP. So those stories could be in writing, they could be videos, they could be audio bites. You know, you might do a podcast series, but I think it's a really good way 
to illustrate the authenticity and the credibility of your EVP. And of course, the benefit is you can use those stories internally, but you could also take them externally through through social media. That colleague voice, I think, can be really powerful. What a, what a great example. But I would follow that up with, maybe you could talk to us about what resources, tools, or support can organizations seek when developing and communicating their EVP effectively? Sure. I think that the best resources are the people that are already in your business. So if we think about, first of all, that process of developing the EVP, the first step in identifying it is actually to, to do your research and to talk to people, talk to your senior leaders about what their ambitions are for the future of, of talent in the business. What are the skills that they think the business will need over the coming years? Talk to your HR team about their people agenda and the direction that they see recruitment going in. And most importantly, I'd say talk to colleagues about how they perceive life in the business, the great things about it, the not so great things, and their aspirations for, for the future of life in the business. All of those conversations should feed into the articulation of your EVP. Resources wise, I guess I would say this, but you don't have to do it on your own. So it's often a good idea to, to get help from specialists like us at Scarlett Abbott. Because identifying and articulating and communicating your EVP, it's actually fairly rigorous and, dare I say, a scientific process. So there's no shame in asking for help to get it right. No shame at all. And would you say that there are tools out there that support the communication of those EVPs? Yes, absolutely. So I, I think some of them are, are tools that you'll already have. So again, corporate website, don't be afraid to use social media. Social media externally, I'm thinking now, is, is so powerful. And again, I, I come back to that idea of harnessing the colleague voice, you know, articulate your, or, or communicate your EVP through the colleague voice. That will make it authentic. You can take that and do it through your, your corporate social media channels. But you can also, there's no harm in encouraging colleagues themselves to use their own social media. If they feel comfortable to do that, I'm not suggesting you should force anybody to, but if they feel comfortable to do that, to tell a story about something they've done at work, not anything commercially sensitive, obviously, but maybe it's something in the, the kind of social responsibility space that they've done that speaks to your EVP. Well, great, you know, if they tell that story on social media, super powerful for you as a business. I think internally, when you're trying to, you know, communicate and embed your EVP among people and let them know what it's all about, then employee social networks are hugely important because they're effectively your internal social media, right? So I think if you can have a community of champions that have been involved in the shaping of the EVP, perhaps some of the people that you spoke to in focus groups in order to identify exactly what your EVP was, you know, keep, keep those people involved, enable them, equip them to go onto your employee social networks and spread the word. Maybe even you do kind of little behind the scenes stories, kind of like the making of the EVP and feature those people a bit like, you know, David Attenborough's planet when they, when they do the behind the scenes bit at the end, no harm in doing that at all. It, because what that does as well is it gives colleagues internally a little bit of bonus content, if you like. And again, we know from external social media that people love that. If you're, if you're in the club, so to speak, and you get a bit of bonus content that you know not everybody else is getting, makes you feel a little bit special, predisposes you to, to engage more with the content. So I, I think that's a really good way forward. 
And being that we're in this dynamic work environment, can you explain how organizations can ensure that their EVP remains relevant and resonates with evolving employee expectations and possible societal changes? Are there any KPIs that you would say uh, we should be monitoring? This is a great question, a really great question, because how often do we, you know, understandably, I suppose, forget about the, the monitoring and measuring, and we've got to come back to that. The truth is some businesses have never formalized their employee value proposition before. And if that's the case, okay, it's never too late. Equally, there'll be some businesses out there who've had an EVP for several years. And so for them, it's a really good idea to reassess whether A, it's still true and authentic for their business. And B, is it still serving its desired purpose of helping to attract and retain great people? So how do you do that? Well, if you're not sure about whether your EVP is still serving its purpose, HR data is a great place to start, I would say. For example, when you advertise roles, is your average number of applicants holding steady over time? Is it going up or is it going down? That'll tell you a lot. How does that compare with your competitors? You know, it's not always easy to get that data, but it would be useful to try if you can. Also, ask yourself what proportion of the applicants that you progress to first round interview actually viable candidates who would be a fit, particularly behaviorally and culturally for your business. And, and the reason to ask that question is because an effective EVP can help make sure unsuitable applicants self-screen and, and don't apply. So for example, if a pillar of your EVP is, is the chance to proactively collaborate with the greatest minds in your industry, and by implication, actually, that's your expectation of the employees, that, that they come in and they collaborate, then someone who prefers to work in total isolation probably won't apply. And that's a good thing. Their preference doesn't mean that they're a bad employee, necessarily. It just means they're probably not right for you and your business. And so you want them to self-select. And that's why I say, if you can get data on, on how many of those candidates that you're kind of progressing to, to first round interviews, for example, are actually a good cultural and behavioral fit, then that will tell you whether your EVP is doing the job of helping potential candidates to, to self-screen in that way. Yeah, those are great and concrete measurements that I'm sure many leaders can apply and evaluate their activities and their EVP. So really, thank you. Well, as we wrap up, do you have any final advice for organizations looking to strengthen their EVP and improve their communication strategies to enhance employee engagement and employer branding? Possibly you could provide us just three of the best practices that you could share with our listeners. Yeah, of course. So three top tips. Okay. Number one, don't try and make up your EVP by sitting in a closed room with a couple of HR people and some senior executives. That's no disrespect to those people, but you'll almost certainly land on something that doesn't feel truly authentic to colleagues. And that's key. Number two, after you've done your research and you're writing your EVP statement and narrative, I'd say don't be afraid to mix in a dash of aspiration. So we've talked a lot about the fact that the EVP has to be honest and authentic, and it absolutely does. But it also should be inspirational, and it should signal the direction that your business is going over the coming years. So, so that element of aspiration is okay. And then my third tip would be, once you've got your EVP sorted, use it as a lens 
through which to look at every touch point in your employee experience and ask yourself, does this touch point, whether it's, you know, onboarding or performance management and development or reward and recognition or whatever, does that touch point truly reflect the promise that we've made in our EVP? If it doesn't, do something about it, because that, again, comes back to this thing about authenticity and honesty of your EVP. And if there is something in the employee journey, in the employee life cycle that just isn't, isn't ringing true with the EVP, sort it out. All great key points, best practices. So we're going to head out now. So we'll head into the final question. Thank you for all your feedback, Alistair. Although I would like to ask you one final question that I enjoy asking all of our guest experts of Masters of Comps, would you mind sharing with us the title of a book or a film that had a significant impact on you recently and why? Sure. I love questions like this. A couple of years ago, I read a book called The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. I think it might have actually been his debut novel. And it's just a very, very clever book. It's a clever idea, cleverly written. And it was one of those where it just made me want to kind of seek out the author and, and shake his hand, Paul Hollywood style, for any fans of Great British Baker. <laughs> um, and also, I just thought, you know, wow, if, if I'd written that, I would probably just put my feet up for the rest of my life because it's not going to get better than that. I've, I've really achieved something. Sadly, I haven't. So I'm going to carry on working. But Stuart Turton can put his feet up because he's done a great job with with his what I think was his debut novel. Sounds great. Thank you so much. We will uh, definitely have to take a look at, at that book. So it's The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. Yep. Thank you so much. Alistair, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. This has been Masters of Columns, the podcast for transformative communication techniques straight from the pros. Join us here for the next episode. See you soon.